0: In episode 450 with Kato Vitic from the Goop series Sex, Love and Goop, we dive deep into two awesome healing modalities called Rosin Therapy and Family Constellations, plus so much more. The following episode of The Melissa Ambrosini Show is ad free and uninterrupted. The Melissa- of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited about this episode because we have never spoken about family constellation or constellation work before. And we haven't spoken about Rosen therapy either. Two very powerful healing practices that can ignite massive transformation. And for those of you that have never heard of Kato, she is a certified Rosen practitioner and facilitator for the group transformational modality called Family Constellations. And some of you may recognize her from episode five of the widely popular Netflix series, Sex, Love and Goop, in which she leads constellations for a couple who wish to avoid repeating the inherited family patterns which have damaged their previous relationships. And for those of you that have never heard of Family Constellations, it is based on the premise that we all unconsciously inherit family patterns that may have been needed for survival of the family in the past, but now block us as individuals from living the fullest and richest lives that we possibly can. I saw Kato on Sex, Love and & Goop and immediately reached out to her and had to get her on the show because this work as you will hear in this conversation, is very powerful and I'm so excited for you to learn about it. And for everything that we mentioned today, you can check out in the show notes. That's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 450. Now let's bring on this beautiful soul, Kato. Kato, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast
1: this morning? That's a tricky one because normally I don't eat breakfast because I do intermittent fasting. So normally that would be a lovely zucchini soup or something like that around noon. But at the moment I'm doing an elemental diet. So it's an awful, very sweet tasting, miserable shake to reset my belly. And I'm jonesing for zucchini soup so bad. (laughs) What is the elemental diet? It's actually a, quite a wonderful thing if you don't want to take antibiotics and your gut is off. If for two weeks you eat some you know, mix of proteins and carbohydrates that, that is absorbed so quickly in your belly that it never feeds bad bugs, so they die off by just being starved. Oh,
0: I love that. Sounds amazing. So I first discovered you on Goop, which was so amazing. That episode was amazing. And for those that have no idea what I'm talking about, please go and watch that episode. It's awesome. But I want to hear what is Constellation work? What is Family Constellation? And can you explain how it works?
1: No, nobody has any idea how it works. And anyone who tells you they know how it works is making up really great stories to explain something that is so mysterious and beautiful, like anything that is really important in life. Most of our stories are not necessarily accurate. But I can give you a sense of what our experience of it is, what it does. I can't really tell you how it works. But essentially, the short version of it is, in our Western world, we tend to think of when things are going wrong, we, we think in very individual basis. We want to like go for psychotherapy, fix our individual self. But in many cultures, there's a deep awareness that our individual self is not the whole picture at all and that most of the things that we experience in life were already conditioned in some way by our family. And often that may be our actual family culture, what has happened to us as we were growing up. But also a lot of times it's generational, generation after generation, we have these patterns that we inherit. And one of the premises behind family constellations is that the patterns that we inherit usually had a purpose in the beginning. They usually on some level were useful for the survival of the family, but then they just become the habit of the family and they start getting passed down and passed down. So you may do things in your life that you just have no idea why you're doing them. They're just automatic, but they may come from some need to do it many generations ago that started without your awareness. So family constellations is kind of a amalgam of many streams that came together, but was essentially formalized by Bert Hellinger, who was a multidimensional German human who died not long ago, who among the many things he did was a priest with the Zulu, a missionary, I think, for a number of years, and experienced how in most African cultures, family and ancestral history and group processes are how you deal when things go wrong. And so he took that and he combined it with psychotherapy, with his Western cultural heritage, with all kinds of evolutions of perspectives on how we become human that were happening at the time. And he came up with this thing, which is very simple and very impossible and very beautiful, which is that if you want to track back to have a sense of what it is that might be happening unconsciously for you in your repeated patterns, there's a way to do it that involves simply gathering a group of people in a room. They don't need to know each other. They don't need to know anything about the process. They just need to be willing to be there. And as you can see, actually, you get to witness in the Netflix episode, which is really extraordinary to actually get to see it and see it really well filmed what you see is that even if we know nothing about each other, if we are willing to be open, there is something that connects us all that will come through us, that will bring the information that we need for shifts to happen. And basically that process involves many, there are, let's put it this way, basically there are very many different ways of using this process of tapping into what most of us call the knowing field. They all do the same thing, With different variations, which is using humans, and some people also use objects, there are many different ways to do it, but using humans to allow this information to come through so that another human can have shifts in their family system and in themselves that will allow them to live not trapped by those patterns, but finding their way towards how they actually might want to be when you're free of unconscious habits. So what it looks like is you gather in a room, a whole bunch of people are together the way I do it because I love to work without our mental processes getting in the way of what's happening because the work is very, very profound and multi-layered. And if we think too much about it, especially in the early parts, we'll put our belief systems on top of it and then we'll manipulate it and it'll come out how we think it ought to rather than how it will. So I work what's called blind, so nobody knows anything. So you're just a bunch of people standing in a room, and the only person who knows anything is me, the facilitator, and the client, the person who has brought in an issue in their life that's not working. And we pick people from the group to be representatives or resonators, is what I call them, because they are resonating whatever this is that connects us all. We pick them to be members of the family of the person who has an issue, and we put them in the room They stand there, they empty themselves, it's not a big deal, you don't have to have a skill, and suddenly feelings start to come into them that are not their own. So you'll stand there and suddenly you'll just want to cry, or you'll want to lie down on the ground, or you'll have to move because you can't bear to be still. And We watch the process, and after a while, we'll put in other members of the family, and we'll see how that affects an original resonator. And You'll hate someone who got put in, and another person you'll love, and you'll want to go snuggle in their lap. But in the way we do it, you don't have any idea what's happening, so you can't sculpt it with with story. You just have to keep following it. Until what starts to happen, and it happens reliably every time if you stay with it for long enough, is you start to feel some ease open up in the room and some flow. And the places where people were contracted and battling each other or or avoidant or whatever, they start to move. So a spaciousness starts to come in and possibility starts to come in. And then often I will let people know a bit about the story or a bit about what we're working with, because then incorporating with your thinking mind what you're already seeing happening can be very useful. But that's the process.
0: It's one of those things that to really grasp it, you need to see it, which is why the Netflix series is so amazing and you get a really good indication of the entire process. So... What are some of the things that people have been able to move through with this
1: process that you've witnessed personally? I mean, there's kind of nothing that it doesn't work for. So people will come in for relationship issues. People will come in. So let's just take relationship issues. So relationship issues can go a range from every time I get involved in a relationship after about two years I leave to I have children who I really love, but I just can't connect with them. I find myself backing away all the time and not being present for them. You know, it could be just about anything. So, like an example might be, for instance, that you know you're not meeting your children the way you want to, and you don't really know why. You do know maybe your own mom wasn't really able to mother you a lot, but it feels like you've worked through that in psychotherapy or or in some way, but you still can't find movement. A lot of times what will happen is we'll layer back, going back mother after mother after mother. And we only do that if we see that the mother relationship is not working in the constellation. But eventually, maybe you'll get back to a grandmother, and this has happened many times, who had 12 children and who lived in a time of famine. And the only way she could survive the hardships of that was to shut her heart. Like she could take care of the kids if she didn't care too much. So then she passed down this not caring, which was necessary then, or she wouldn't have managed. But... Each successive generation, it gets more and more entrenched, and the mothers don't even know how to let themselves feel. And, you know, I have seen so many times things like that will will just shift. And sometimes not only will they shift in the person whose constellation it was, but they'll shift in the mother, who they haven't talked to for 10 years, who will call them two days later and say, it's time for us to spend some time together. So so something is happening that is inexplicable, that when we try to explain it, we we make words, we call it the field or the knowing field, this thing that connects us, that allows us to perceive things about total strangers, and that allows this sort of shifting to happen where the shifting happens not just for the people in the room, but the people outside of the room. But we don't really know how it works.
0: It's so fascinating. How did you
1: discover it? and What got you into it? So constellations was something that I would never have been interested in when I was much younger because I was a very intellectual, very sort of strong believer in only the things that I could rationally comprehend. And I spent a lot of my, you know, I went to an Ivy League university, I was very uh, attached to being able to think through things, which is, it's marvelous to think now about how unattached I am, and how much I enjoy being lost. But the beginning of my journey was I had a pretty strong health journey when I was young. And because of that, I actually needed to pay attention to why my body was not functioning, not just on a physical level, but Very rarely does our body stop functioning with no um, emotional content around it. So I started looking to find out why didn't I detox, why, why was I sick all the time. And one of the things, the processes that I did is I went for a form of work called Rosen Method, which changed me radically and which is actually the basis for how I do Family Constellations. And that work is a somatic therapy. It's a hands-on touch and talk therapy. And I think you would actually love it because having listened to a bit of your podcasts and seeing that you're quite deeply aware of the necessity to connect with our bodies and to the ways in which we can bring self-love through the body to ourselves. Rosen is the most powerful thing that I know of for helping us come in to the deeper place underneath the thinking part, into the feeling parts that need to be held. And it's a process that you do with a Rosen practitioner. I Experienced it for quite a long time and it started to really change who I was. And I eventually realized, actually somebody said to me, you could be an intern now because you've been coming <laughs> to these intensives for so long. And I went, what? <laughs> but it was sort of unavoidable. The, it, I was, it just moved me along the path and I became a Rosen practitioner and that. In and of itself is a practice of constantly being in the present, of being with what's unconscious underneath our thinking perspectives, and of, of moving toward ease and openness. So I'd already changed a lot, but Rosen is still a very concrete thing it's not it doesn't require suspension of disbelief it's based in some very real scientific perspectives touch changes everything for all of us when we receive it or do it it makes new neurochemicals that allow us to be more expansive and more relaxed it diminishes cortisol it increases oxytocin which is the bonding Hormone, which you know a lot about, because when you have a baby at your breast, you're flooded with oxytocin. So in my journey, I had already sort of opened up my perspectives, but I really was not willing to look at things that were outside of of something that I could explain. And someone I knew just kept saying to me, you have to come experience this work. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. And I kept rolling my eyes and going, that's way too woo-woo for me. I really you know. And finally, just to stop her from bugging me, I went. And once you witness one session of constellations, you're just never the same again, because you've just seen something that we never, ever see in daily life. And hearing about it, you can think it sounds crazy or impossible. But when you see it, it's just right there in front of you. And in one of those first constellations, someone who didn't know anything about the person that they were resonating, which was the brother of someone who was having some issues in his life, and that brother had been a drug addict and had committed suicide, and he was a twin brother. And this person got up to resonate that, didn't know any of this story, and started like stumbling around and acting completely like a drug addict. And eventually what happened and what happens in constellations often is you actually get to relate to the resonator who is not channeling because I don't think we channel. I think we open to whatever it is that exists outside of time that is in the field that needs to be felt or seen for things to move. And so often you will actually get to hold a dead brother in your hands in the form of a resonator. You will get to speak to a dead mother your anger, and then your sorrow at her pain. You will get to say and do and feel things that are impossible in any other modality that I know of as directly as as in constellations. So when I witnessed that, I thought, okay, I have to prove that this isn't true. <laughs> this was one. This has to be fake. It's too weird for words. <laughs> And so I went and I kept going and going. And eventually I went into training for it because I realized the only way I could trust this work was if I was facilitating it, because then I would absolutely know there was no manipulation and I would absolutely know what was trustworthy and what wasn't. So I kind of came toward it from a debunking perspective. (laughs) And now the only thing I've debunked is my need to understand how something works, that clearly in the hundreds and hundreds of constellations I've done works over and over again, every time with such beautiful impossibility. So I don't bother struggling around it anymore. I just accept that I can't understand it exactly and that people's lives can change in ways that I never thought they could.
0: And often it's the ego that wants to understand it and wants to know how does this work. But when we put that aside and we just allow what is in front of us to unfold, the magic happens.
1: Yes. And we have a tricky dance with that because then what we can call the ego, but it also really is just our survival strategies. I mean, we are pattern-seeking animals. It is how we live. You know, a baby doesn't see any patterns and they can't function in the world. The only way we can function in the world is to have this rapid neuronal brain patterns that tell us, oh, that's a snake because you've seen a lot of snakes on the ground and that's what they look like. But if you lived somewhere where there were no snakes, you would look and you wouldn't have any idea that was a snake. You'd just see what might be a stick on the ground, you know. So our minds need to put these patterns on things in order for us to survive. But at the same time, the patterned thoughts, our confirmation bias can be really misleading. So it's in my perspective, at least, and this is also the perspective of constellations in a lot of ways, rather than to try to move out of the ego, it's to try to move toward whatever those pattern beliefs are, so you can feel into them, so you can find out what their purpose was, so you can not be dictated to by them anymore. So it's a small shift and a big shift to really look directly at where it serves you to have your belief systems so that you you can let go of them because you don't need to serve it that way.
0: So with Rosin, do you need to be in person to have a session? You said talking is involved and also touch. Can you do these virtually? Like what's involved in a session and what kind of touch are you talking about?
1: Like massage or or what is it? It's not like anything else. So first off, the Rosen police would get me for talking about whether you could do it (laughs) far away and not in person, because it is is called a bodywork. And for accreditation practices and for being legal to practice, we have to be in person, because that is how it is defined. Do I know that it can be used without actual touch? Yes. After 20 more uh, or more years of doing it. I can sense, which I would be able to do with you, except for that I can't quite see your image a lot of the time, but I can sense the, the movements in somebody's body without my hands on them. I don't need to touch. And even often I can sense things in my own body that will tell me what's shifting in someone. But basically what a Rosen session looks like is you come, you lie on a table. It looks a bit like a massage in that generally you're, you're undressed to a certain degree so that the practitioner's hands can touch you directly but it can be done through clothing, it doesn't matter. And the touch itself is touch that intends to connect with and invite up whatever might be hidden under the tension in the body. So it's radically different than most touch because the intention is not to fix something, but to reach it and touch it and hold it and be with it and allow it. Basically, all of us, like you, I'm sure you're watching this in your baby, we come into the world, if we've had any good experience in the womb at all, we kind of move from the top of our head to the bottom of our toes, like everything moves when you breathe, right? Your little one's whole chest, belly, head, if you watch their face, probably even the face moves. But what happens is we have, you know, our diaphragm, which is one of the largest muscles in the body, and it's the muscle that breathes us. And it's involuntary, but it also can be controlled by our feelings. So what happens to us as as we develop as humans is we contract when feelings are too much for us. And then we forget to let go of those contractions. So bit by bit, we end up in an armor that holds us tight. And everybody can feel that. Like even if right now your listeners pay attention for a moment, just like maybe shut their eyes And just be still and just notice how you feel, how your feet on the ground are, how your bum is, whatever you're sitting in. Notice whether your legs are relaxed or whether there's tension. Notice how your torso feels. Feel whether your breath comes all the way into your ribs or whether it stops some places. Notice whether you breathe all the way no no judgment for it just noticing just curiosity oh i breathe in a lot but i don't i barely am breathing out or i breathe out a lot but boy breathing in's not that easy notice does your breath get pulled in from your chest or does it move itself in and expand your ribs and move into your back and just move itself notice how your neck is notice whether there's a an effort In your neck, feel your jaw, just paying that kind of attention to your body. And as you do, you're going to find the places where you tighten up, where you don't even notice you're tightening up because we just live with our contractions. Under every one of those contractions, there are feelings that are being held down for your survival. You did it as a kid. It was really smart to contract, but now you probably don't need it anymore. You probably can survive those feelings, but you don't actually know that. Like Your body doesn't know that. It says, "Uh uh-uh, don't feel that grief. Don't feel that anger. If you feel that anger, you're going to upset the whole apple cart of the family. It's going to fall apart. Put it away. If you're too needy, Your mom is going to go into overwhelm and then you're going to be rejected. Put it away. Don't even feel the need, you know? So we have so many ways that we stop ourselves from feeling. And Rosen is essentially about the fact that you can't find those hidden parts by thinking your way toward them because they happen mostly before you could even put thoughts and stories. But if someone comes with their hands to listen, To where that is, with no judgment and with no need for you to change, but an invitation to see what's there, it comes up. And then what happens is, whatever comes up, now your body knows, oh, that didn't kill me. Like I could feel that without dying of it. So maybe I can even feel more. And bit by bit, actually, your whole nervous system gets retrained. It learns that it's not dangerous to feel yourself. And of course, if we can't feel ourselves, we can't guide our lives. I mean, you know, we're going to make choices that are not based on who we really are, who just on who we think we ought to be, what we think we ought to do, <laughs> what we think we need or don't need. So, so that's essentially what Rosen does is it, it, it opens this space. And the reason that touch is so effective, I think, is because it's our first Interaction, you know, touch is what made us feel safe or not safe. So it goes under everything else. So if somebody holds you without trying to fix you and listens to you with their hands and their heart, I mean, we're always working with our heart as practitioners. It makes the space for you. To experience something you, most of us didn't have as kids. Very rarely do we have parents who could really hold us, be with us where we were, allow whatever we feel to come up. You know, it's a marvelous practice for you as a new mom with your baby to just constantly notice where am I needing something to be put away? Where could I make space for something to be felt? Not even just in your baby, but in you. So that your baby, so she can learn, which as women, we're taught the exact opposite, so that she can learn that she can have every feeling, crankiness, delight, too much love, too little love, the need for separation, you know, all the things, because as women, we put so much away. So Rosen is a very profound and beautiful tool for opening this possibility for really profound rewiring and living in the world differently. There are, in, in Australia, some Rosen practitioners. There used to be a school, and right now, I think with COVID, it stopped. But there are some people who are practicing, so it is possible to, to have Rosen sessions there. And down the road, maybe the, the Institute will decide to, to acknowledge that we can actually work online. But for the moment, we don't. <laughs>
0: Sounds fascinating. I would absolutely love to have a session. Sounds awesome. And I'm presuming because of the other people required for a session that you can't do family constellation work online. It has to be in a group environment in person. Is that correct?
1: No. So first off, who says who says the field is limited by the internet? So, whatever this is that connects us can can show us things. I mean, I will tell you, I have had things show up. Actually, there's a perfect example that everyone can see in the Netflix episode, episode five of Sex, Love, and Goop, which is that people will come in all the time and we will see things in their family that they don't actually know. So, when you ask me the question, what is happening? This is a big Piece of the question, no answer, but it's a big piece of the question. So somebody comes in and they have a whole lot of stuff they know about their family, and we tend to see absolute strangers who know nothing about their family accurately representing their family. Well, what's happening there? I don't know what's happening there, but it could be simply that all of us, if we allow ourselves to, can actually feel other people in ways that we can know what they know, so that I could tune into you and know what you know about your family. So that would be one kind of amazing thing. But in Constellations, what happens all the time, and you see it in Netflix, is that we see things that the client didn't know. So like you'll have something like, we'll put in a resonator for their mother, and she'll start holding her belly and bending over and acting really distressed and paying no attention to the person who's her child and I'll give her a pillow to hold and she'll start weeping and weeping and rocking the pillow and I'll ask my client, did your mom have a miscarriage? Did Was there a baby who died? Is there something because this is what this looks like? And the client will say, I don't know. And then they'll go and they'll ask their mother and then they'll come back and they'll tell me she just told me that I had a brother who who died when he was two days old, and they didn't think I needed to know about it. So the things that consolation shows are often the hidden things, the things that the family has isolated or kept away, right? So that's something that indicates to me, at least, that we're all interconnected in some way that we can know things that isn't just coming through the client. It's coming from whatever connects us all. And you can see it in the, in the Netflix thing because Dash, one of the people who has a, a constellation, Had a grandfather in the, in the constellation who showed up just refusing to be part of the family stuff, utterly contemptuous of family stuff, kept going away and standing by this tree was like, eh, I don't want anything to do with that nonsense. And Dash went back and asked their mother what was up with that grandfather. And the mother said, Oh, this is exactly what he was like. He was always traveling. He wanted nothing to do with the family. He was trying to ignore a tragedy that had happened in the family. So Dash didn't know that, but the field showed it to us. It came right through the resonators. So if the field can do that, why would it be limited to us standing around in a room? (laughs) It's not at all. So to answer your question briefly, and this is for anybody who wants to look for constellations, for starters, there are many people who actually do constellations not using other humans as what what tells us stuff. And that work is marvelous, too. It's not what draws me, because I love the using of other humans. But I could right now do a constellation for you where we would take the objects on my desk or the objects on your desk, and we would just feel into what needs to move where, how does it happen, and things would emerge that would be mind-boggling and incredibly useful. However, because it would be just you and me in my perspective. Because it would be just you and me and, and objects. It's much more subject to my interpretation and how I guide it. And what I love about working with other humans is I have no control at all. I have to just be lost and watch what's happening. And I trust that very deeply. So my interpretations don't get too mixed into making it evolve. However, there's absolutely no limitation to doing it online. The only, because we are all interconnected. So you can get a group of people. As a matter of fact, I'm going to participate in a conference that actually is based in Australia in May that will be a huge constellations conference. So people can go and sign up for a day or seven days, and there'll be all kinds of people doing every version of constellations that exists, and we can put a link for that. And some people, I, I don't know if every, a lot of people will talk theory, but but people will probably demonstrate or do some exercises using objects, and some people, like me, I will actually work directly with people who are online and come with an issue and you can do the kind of constellations I love the most to do last 2 hours they touch everything in your family system they change people so much and they require being in person because other they need a lot of people and they you know that it's would not be satisfying online but you can make I've been experimenting with and I'm getting more and more I'm getting deeper and deeper into how to do it for this conference. You can do constellations with two or three people online and people will feel just as accurately whatever needs to come through them on the internet as they do in person. It's no different.
0: Sounds amazing. I want to do one with you in person for 2 hours like Next time I am in LA, we are
1: doing it. You got it. It is the most extraordinary thing because things shift that you don't even consciously notice because it gets so big and everything, you know, the, the places where stuckness happens. What happens, which is delightful, is when you're in a room of people and you're working, there'll be a time where it's hard and heavy and you can just feel, oh, it's so stuck. Is it ever going to move? Nobody can feel anything. Everybody's fighting. Everything is flat. And then bit by bit, like one person, you feel an opening where they're able to look. And part of what we do is we will use words when we get to the point where sometimes just truths need to to be spoken like, I couldn't be a real mother to you. I was too overwhelmed. Just that has so much power. Or when a child who has always had to be the adult in a family looks up at the mother and says, you're the big one. I'm the little one. It's not my job. And everything starts to shift and everyone in the room gets goosebumps and feels their chests open. So this is where I was starting to tell you, as you can tell, I get so excited. I go (laughs) very fast. So the part that's a bit different about me than about most constellators is that I come from this Rosen perspective. So I track everything by following what's happening in the bodies of the resonators of the client of my body, of the people in the room. And I think many facilitators do some of that, but most are not as trained as I am in that. That's not their perspective. There's this moment where the whole room starts to expand. And because we are the family of humans, right, and we are all interconnected, we have different external stories, but underlyingly most of our human issues are so... The same. We share so much. So no one witnessing a constellation is really on the outside of it, even online. I've had people say to me, even who aren't participating, who are just witnessing, Oh my God, that shifted so much in me. Because each of our journeys, when we start to expand, the family of human beings starts to expand, including everyone who's holding space, everyone who's participating. And the other thing that is extraordinary about constellations is, you know, all of us live our little lives in our own body, and our family of origin. We have a little world we live in, right? Dut, 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 dut. We know how it works. We have certain experiences and we have, as you put it, ego attachment to those experiences. But in constellations, when you resonate for someone, you get put into the field and you have no idea who you're being, no idea anything about them, and you have an experience that is completely not your own. And we again, people can witness it in in the Netflix show because the couple that I was working with were very non-binary. And one of them put in a male to be her mother and a female to be her father. And neither of the resonators knew who they were being. And the female who got put in to be the father kind of stands there for a minute. And then she sort of starts moving her hips. And then she starts swaggering and she starts walking around and she's like, Not very interested in that family stuff that's happening, but oh, those resonators over there, sitting there watching them, and she gets really kind of, you know, like engaged, flirtatious. And what we were working with was a father who had had affairs repeatedly and wasn't interested, It in, wasn't attached to the family stuff. Now, I don't mean to lessen this human being who, who actually, we saw some beautiful shifts and some reasons why he did that we learned about in the Constellation. But the piece that was so extraordinary every time it happens is this woman got to experience what it was like to be a man with a completely different perspective than her own. And I had that happen the first time that ever happened. It actually blew me completely away because it was this willowy, kind woman who spent her whole life wanting to take care of people and give to people and and make things and work and was always giving herself away. There was never room for her. And she got put in as a man who, who was like, really, like I... Screw what I want. I do what I want. I own the world. I'm the king of the world. And she came out and she said, I wouldn't want to be that guy, but now I actually know what it feels like to prioritize myself, to like have me be the center of my world. I've never been the center of my world. Now I know what that's like. So every time you act as a resonator, not just having your own constellation done, you change. And the way I like to say it is, it's like we have this palette where we can only paint our colors that we know, and then you resonate and you get a whole new color. And then you resonate again, you get a whole new other color. And pretty soon you're painting (laughs) really differently. So it's extraordinary work and very joyful. Have you ever done it with real family members? So actually the answer to that is yes, because sometimes they're just because out of practical reasons, we've done something small where we didn't have enough people and the only people there actually were members, family members for each other. And it's quite fascinating because you forget that it's your family, you're resonating because you're not in that place of your story. You're just in the place of what's coming through you. So it doesn't happen a lot because it could get muddy because we have our ideas about So it's not recommended. I wouldn't do it out of choice. But if you have no one but your sister to resonate your mom, go for it.
0: <laughs> Many years ago, I think it was probably 10 years ago now, I actually went on this five-day retreat. And we did something similar But they didn't call it constellation work, but we did something similar where I had to choose someone to represent a family member and we got to talk and share what we wanted to express to that person. So it's different, but, you know, similar sort of thing. But I am so excited to have an experience like this one day and I'll let everybody know how it goes when I do it.
1: Yeah, it's actually very different. So like psychodrama and all those different things where like what you did, they're very valuable. I mean, they really are. But they're really different, because you're never going to discover the unknown things that go way back because you're actually working with your known material as opposed to whatever this is that for whatever reason allows us to know these things and not to know everything. So like, I'll give you an example. So, you know, most people who come keep coming back because it's an extraordinary work and we are not layers of an onion. You don't like do one thing and you're totally done. Although it big stuff shifts and you don't want to work too frequently. You want to let it incorporate. But Let's say you come in the first time and you end up working with a situation with your father, who is this military man who's really rigid and mean and angry. And you see this resonator who doesn't know they're being your father acting exactly like your father. And a lot of shifting happens in that constellation. The next time you come in and do a constellation, and I actually had this happen, and we put in someone for your father, in this case, The guy being the father started acting totally goofy, like he just was high and he was a little kid and he didn't want. And in the end, that whole constellation was about seeing what was under the rigid facade of the military man, seeing the little boy who was sure he wasn't good enough to meet his own father, military man, who could never do. So you see whatever aspect needs to be seen in that particular constellation. In my book, we're seeing aspects. In my perception, when you asked what is it What is it that's happening, I think, with no good ground other than my own experiences, that time doesn't exist in the way we experience, that, that life is not linear the way we in our human flesh bodies experience it. Quantum physics hints at this. It also says, you know, tends to hint at that things are non-local, that we feel like we're individual and separate, but that everything is really all interconnected, that you can be a particle and a wave at the same time. And it's the act of observing that determines what it is. You know, science is going to catch up eventually and explain to us what this is that we're doing. But my perception is that we are embodying what we need to see as human narrative creatures in this moment for the old patterns to no longer have such a hold on us. And why and how that happens? I don't know, but it's beautiful.
0: (laughs) This work sounds amazing and so powerful. And I want to encourage everyone to go and dive into both of these powerful modalities and see what comes up. And please come and share. I would love to hear. But you have some daily somatic self-care practices that are really powerful, and I would absolutely love if you could share them with us.
1: Yeah. So in particular, I will share one thing that I think is, can be just really life-changing if we practice it, and it can be very brief, but it's really a daily practice, or it can be very long if that's what fits you. If you think about how most of us wake up, we wake up in the morning and we go vroom into our lives and we're already in movement before we even get out of bed. We're thinking about what we need to do next and we don't take ourselves with us. And as I told you, the touch is one of the most profound ways of grounding to yourself. So this self-care practice is to begin your day with what I call embodied gratitude. So We all know that gratitude practices are really helpful, but mostly we do gratitude practices with our thinking mind. We kind of, you know, try to feel toward how do we be grateful for things. But a lot of times we don't actually feel very grateful. So a lot of times then what we're doing is we're efforting gratitude. So we're actually doing effort, not gratitude. And this is the trick about most things, is that if you feel yourself contracting and efforting, you're not doing the thing you want to do. You're not, you know, the law of attraction doesn't work when you're working at bringing things towards you. It works when you're experiencing the thing in yourself and then things come towards you. So if you're experiencing the feeling of plenty, plenty comes towards you. So when we get up in the the morning and we immediately fly out of bed going toward the future, what we right from the beginning are setting ourselves in is a path of disconnect from ourselves and a path of disconnect from the present moment, a path of going toward rather than being here. So this practice, which is very simple, is to every single day before you get out of bed, to take your hands and we'll do a little piece right now. So we'll just start with our hands for a second. So all of your listeners can do this. So our hands are amazing because we have two hands and usually we're doing things with them and we're never thinking about them, but our hands can touch each other. So take one hand and use that hand to touch the other hand. So just come into gentle contact with your other hand. So one hand's the receiving hand and one hand is the touching hand. And just notice how it feels to gently stroke your hand, to feel the contours of it. Go really slow so that you notice that one hand is moving, one hand is not. And just notice how that feels to be touching yourself. And what I can tell you is, neuroscience-wise, you're already making a cascade of bonding hormone, oxytocin. You're already diminishing your cortisol, your stress hormones, just by doing this. And you're already remembering that you're in a body. And now shift your hand And touch the other hand with the hand that was just touched. And notice the difference of that. Just notice how it is and explore that other hand. And notice, like, I notice my other hand feels so grateful. Oh, now I'm being touched. Here I am. And now you can just let your hands rest lightly together. And now notice how it feels for both hands to be touching each other. And these are subtle differences, but the more you practice them, the more you start to relate to yourself. And then what this bigger practice is, and you don't have to start with your hands, I actually start with the feet, is to start your day by touching, I start with the feet, every piece of your body. And you can say, good morning body, or you can say, I love you body, or you don't have to say anything. I love to say good morning, because it's like, here we are, we're starting something. And no matter how cranky I am, as soon as I say good morning to my feet, I start to be here. But then, without trying to fix anything, come from your feet, up your legs, all the way up, touch every part of your body with your hands, not trying to do anything, just touching, just feeling. And if you're going to take time, Rest where you notice that you're not quite feeling yourself, and sometimes even you want to go fast past somewhere. That's usually where it needs you to touch it, where it needs you to welcome it. It's probably where you're ignoring yourself. If you really have time, explore that. Stay with your hands and get curious. What's in here that is uncomfortable? Because our body carries all of our pain and all of our sorrow and all of our need to run away. And if you connect with those things instead of running away from them, you start your day in connection with yourself. And sometimes people will weep. Sometimes they'll have a lot of feelings. Sometimes they won't. If you don't have time, you just go over your entire body. Make sure you don't forget your face, the top of your head, the back of your head, all the places we never touch. And then when you're ready and you've really touched everything, you get out of bed slowly and you let your feet welcome the ground so that you know you're moving into your daily life in your body, not zipping out and heading away. It's a really simple practice that you can do one minute of and you will start your day differently. Or you could do, when I first started doing this, I would sometimes spend an hour in bed if I could. just paying attention to myself. And then you go into your day with yourself. For people who are not used to gratitude for their body or for connection with their body or touch, it might be difficult in the beginning. And you can start really small. You could do just your hands. You could do just a hand on your heart. But any degree of self-touch first thing in the day will change your day. So beautiful. So
0: Simple. It's free. Everybody can do it and so powerful and profound. So I love that. I want to encourage everyone listening to start their day and try it for a week and see how you feel. I give my daughter baby Abhyanga massage before her bath every night. And I use a beautiful Ayurvedic baby oil. And I say to her body, you know, I reinforce look at your beautiful, strong legs. I love your legs. I love your feet. I love your legs. I love your knees. And we go over every part of her body. So do that with your kids and do it with yourself as well, because it is so powerful and such a beautiful exercise to do. And I know when I first started on my journey, I would do that and I did some mirror work and I would just sob and sob and sob and Could barely get through it or could barely even say, I love you, legs, or I love you, belly. And now, oh, I just have so much deep reverence and gratitude for my toes, my ankles, my every part of my body. And it's such a beautiful place to get to, and everyone can get there. So I want to encourage everyone to practice this self love touch exercise every morning for a week and let us know on Instagram how you go, because I think you're going to be really surprised with the results. So thank you for sharing that beautiful
1: exercise with us. And I'm really curious because as I listened to you talk about it, I could feel my own chest expand, like just hearing that love. So I would just be curious for all your listeners to just for a minute right now, check into their bodies, how their bodies felt hearing you express that because it makes us all expand. We expand everybody else when we practice this true ease-filled self-love. And you don't get there fast always, but boy, you get there
0: if you just do it. Exactly. And it's showing up each day and doing the work. And that's how the magic unfolds and how the transformation and the evolution and the growth happens by showing up each day
1: for yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. And really importantly, that involves showing up for all the parts of yourself, not just what you like, not just what you appreciate. So the gratitude practice has to be for where you don't work, for where your ankle hurts, for where you can't breathe really well, for what's imperfect in you, because without every part of ourselves, we're not whole. Let's
0: pretend now that you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world. Now, this could be a book
1: on any topic. What book would you choose? That's a terrible question for a bookworm. There's like 25. But I would actually say because teenage humans are in such turmoil, and now in today's world, even worse. I think one of the wisest and most powerful books I know of is Pema Chodron's When Things Fall Apart. Have you ever read that? No, I haven't. Oh, so Pema Chodron is the abbess of a monastery, the Buddhist abbess of a monastery in Nova Scotia. And she is one of the wisest, funniest humans in the world. And when things fall apart is actually about learning how to find your ground in groundlessness. Because we all think we, part of all of what we've been talking about, how you contract That's to try to control things. That's what we do. So when you're a teenager, you start really contracting to try to make it through. If a teenager got to read this book, they would start to understand that all the contraction in the world won't make the world around you stable. There is no ground outside of you. The ground is inside of you and it's with your willingness to be lost but stay with yourself. And it's with your willingness to love every part of yourself and even... To redefine love, so love isn't about liking every part of yourself. It's about loving because it's part of you. So that would be for me. There's another book for people who love big books and really looking at history and how humanness evolved. There's a new book called "The Dawn of Everything that I'm partway in that's just mind-boggling. And so I would give a second book, but the most important is when you're a teenager to get a, a grounded nervous system that's able to handle with resilience the shifts of the world around you.
0: Absolutely, and we'll link to both of those books in the show notes as well. Let's talk about how your day looks now. I love hearing about how people prime themselves for the day, your morning routine and how you set yourself up for success. Like what are your rituals and routines? Can you talk us through a quote unquote
1: typical day in your life? So I do I wake up every morning and do do the self touch and then I hop out of bed slowly and with great connection to the floor. And I do oil pulling for my mouth. I do a lot of physical things because I have a fragile body that needs a lot of care. And I'm learning more and more that I can't just push through and ignore it. So I do oil pulling, which takes about 20 minutes. And while I'm doing that, I make a cup of tea. And then my husband and I either go down, often this is very early in the morning. Sometimes I wake at dawn or before dawn. And I used to be a really late riser and I used to be a night person. But since I started a month ago doing this practice, it's a totally different world now for me. There's a, and I'll give you the link to this a tremendous podcast by a scientist about how we all need to ha- get light uh, within an hour of waking. We need five to ten minutes of light, exterior light, it has to be where you get enough photons from the sky in order to reset your body in connection with the world around you and it also lets your cells connect with each other and even blind people need it it's extraordinary and when you start doing it you suddenly start being in sync with the world around you and waking up early so we'll often go sometimes where we live we'll go down and we'll watch the otters play in the morning in the sea or we'll sit in the backyard and watch the birds and have our tea we'll just get out there in the light for for you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes. And that has changed things a lot for me. Everyone I've told about it is changing from doing it and it makes you sleep so much better.
0: Do you have to go outside or can you just pull back the curtains and the blinds or do you have to go outside?
1: Unfortunately, you actually have to go outside because it's something about, so I don't know, I'm a geek for specific things. It turns out that the the part of our eye that registers light is actually our brain. Our brain extrudes in this one place (laughs) into our eye, and then it receives light. But it needs the overarching space of the sky with all those photons coming at us for it to be enough light. So through a window, it's deflected. So you actually have to be outside. You can use a sad light. You know, So if, if you're in a place where there's no light in the mornings or whatever, I I think the scientist who researches all of this has a bunch of ways you can work with using one of those lights. He even suggests you can use the ring lights that you use for doing uh, uh, selfies or videos as, as something to give you enough photons, but it's not as good as, as the out of doors. And he has a whole bunch of other brilliant practices in this podcast, which I'll give you the link, that are really good for calming the nervous system and for helping us survive survive. survive this life of being on devices that we lead.
0: Do you know the name of the person or the podcast? We can link to it in the show notes, but do you remember the name?
1: Yeah, it's, I think, Dr. Andrew Huberman, and he's quite extraordinary. I I have not listened to others of his podcasts, but this one particular one, which was on podcast with Dr. Chatterjee, is really, really, really useful stuff. Those are both podcasts that are really worth checking out. So I'll give you that information. So that's my start of the day. So I'm so energized by the time I've done those things, but I'm also so present that moving into this world that we live in of overload doesn't doesn't divorce me from my body. I also dance regularly. I do conscious dance, which I'm also a facilitator of. So I'll dance on the beach every Saturday with a group of people, um, which has kept me sane through COVID. And I dance every morning now when I go out for the light. I kick my husband out after 10 minutes. I say, I got to dance now, honey. (laughs) And I dance. Beautiful. And then what happens after that? Not enough spaciousness. (laughs) The thing I'm still trying to learn, especially since the Netflix show, I have such a deep love for, for doing this work. And it's very hard for me to say no. So there's been kind of a deluge of interest. And at the same time, I have a twelve-episode television series that it's time to write that I've been researching for a long time. So I'm in a little bit of a how do I make my life work with enough room in it? So I'm at my desk more than I wish I was, and never getting quite enough done. <laughs> if I'm totally honest about it. But basically, I work with my clients. Uh, depending, I have I split my life between houses in L. A. and one up the coast. Um, so I'll go down and do intensive work with clients. I'll work with people online, but mostly I'm actually trying to carve out the space to right now.
0: I have three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? Sure. What's one thing that we can do today for our health?
1: Allow yourself to feel your feelings. Because when we don't let ourselves feel our feelings, we contract. And when we contract, we get disease, we don't detox, we don't breathe properly. So any practice, and particularly practices like this, self-love, touch practices, that tell our body it's okay to feel how you feel, it's okay to be here, those will change your health more than anything, no matter what else you do. If you're contracting, you can't be healthy. I love that. What is one thing that we can do
0: for more wealth in our life? So, more abundance in all areas of our life.
1: Practice generosity because. We have a false idea that I've got no problem with wealth. Wealth is wonderful, but it's not abundance. There are many, many very wealthy people who live in extreme poverty mentality. And what really we're looking for with wealth is security and happiness. And those things, some of the poorest people have more of it than some of the richest people. And so it doesn't matter Whether or not it ends up becoming material wealth, what you really want is that wealth of feeling well inside of yourself. So it's these practices, again, it's welcoming all of yourself so that you can find joy no matter what's happening outside of you. And when you feel the feeling of plenty inside, then actual wealth comes towards you. You don't have to do a lot.
0: And what is one thing that we can do for more love in our life?
1: love more. We have a delusion as humans. We all think we want to be loved more. But being loved isn't something you actually feel. Like you can tell yourself stories, oh, oh, I'm loved. We can feel when we love. Like you can like think about your baby right now. Right now you're totally love you are love. There's no more getting love means nothing. Being love is everything. And the way you do it is you just love. And the more you love, again, the more that plenty inside of you calls love toward you. And when it doesn't, it doesn't matter very much. Because especially if you can practice loving, even where you're not receiving love, it doesn't matter at all whether you are are receiving love, because you're feeling what's inside of you. And that's the only thing we can feel. We can't, you know, we can't feel what somebody else feels for us. We can feel what we feel.
0: Mm, absolutely. This has been so beautiful. I've loved this conversation so much. Is there anything else that you wanted to share or any last parting words of wisdom?
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that separates us the most in the world and that makes us the most unhappy is is a bit what you called ego, which is our need to make ourselves safe by believing our mental stories. And we need our mental stories because they shape the world, but we need to hold them really, really lightly. Because everybody has a confirmation bias. I don't know if you've ever read or heard about, but it's quite extraordinary. I mean, literally, we see only what we already expect to see. We tune out anything else we don't. There's a marvelous thing, which I was actually looking because I wanted to give you the link to it, and I can't find it now, But there was somebody, and I think it was a British comedian who did a thing where he went out and he started asking people for the directions to London Bridge. And people would give him directions. And in the middle of him asking that, somebody would pass through between him and the person he was talking to, carrying a big poster board. And when they got on the other side, someone who looked just like him would be standing there, not him. He would disappear with it. And the person talking to him would not blink an eye, they'd just continue the conversation about the London Bridge. And then they they upped the scale, then the, the poster board would go through and someone who didn't look anything like him would be standing there. And they'd just continue the conversation. And eventually a woman would be standing there or a person who was, was completely different. And the person talking almost never would go, wait a minute, what just happened? Because they were so immersed in, well, This is what's... Okay, you know, just let that go out of your brain. That's how we are in the world. We have these ideas, and then we shape the world to our ideas. But it means we're trapped in what we've known before. We don't get to have anything new. So the main thing I would say is the more we can hold all of our beliefs lightly, all of our stories lightly, all of our interpretations lightly and simply stay with the sensations in our body as our guides, not our stories, we can shift out of our known stories and start to build new stories that actually fit us, instead of shaping the world to our old stories, which is what we all do, what we all need to do. And the best way to do that, and Pema Chodron is, again, the person to read for this, every single thing she's written is brilliant, is we need to pause. So when when you do that Gratitude practice, the embodied gratitude practice, you're pausing before you start your day. You're feeling where you are. At any time in the day, if you pause and you can, she suggests three deep breaths. That's good. But most important is to pause and notice your body. You start to have the possibility to not hold on to your beliefs so tightly. And then you can make a whole new world for yourself. You get to design your world based on who you really are, not who you think you are or who you ought to be.
0: Absolutely. Beautiful reminder. I love that so much. And I love everything that you've shared. I love all of the work that you do. You are helping and inspiring and serving so many people. So I want to know what I and the listeners can do to give back to you today. How can we serve you today? make
1: that space inside of yourselves, pause, let go of the attachment to your perceptions and beliefs, because that's what separates us all. And we're living in a really difficult world right now with a lot of pain and suffering. And For me, the most important thing is for all of us to emerge from this much suffering together. And that really only happens when we don't stay entrenched in our little, what you call our little ego view, but when we actually develop kindness and spaciousness towards ourselves first, because you can't have it towards anyone else. Basically, when we treat others like they're less than human, it's because we're scared inside. And we're scared when we can't have our whole self because we can't feel ourselves. because we're avoiding it because we're scared. So you get trapped in this circle. So what everybody can do for me and for each other is to whatever you can do in these practices that fit you to move out of that so that the children, you know, it's a terrible thing that children are coming into a world that's so conflicted right now. And each of us can make a difference in that.
0: Absolutely. Kato, thank you so much for sharing everything today, for all the work that you do. It's been such a pleasure and I am putting it on my bucket list to come to LA and have a two-hour session with you. That is definitely something that I want to experience.
1: You got it. And in the meantime, I encourage everyone to look for Family Constellation. And if you can find a Rosen practitioner, absolutely for a Rosen practitioner. But Constellations is quite available online. Um, And I think that that Australian conference is going to be amazing. So people can actually come. And if you come to that, if people come to that, I will be picking some people from the audience to work with. So there will be a chance to work with me. So Is this an online event? It's an online international conference where many of the old lions, many of the people who've been doing this for much longer than me, and many different perspectives will be there. And it's seven days. And because it's based out of Australia, and there's a Rosen practitioner in Australia, uh, not Rosen, a family constellations facilitator who's organized this. It's I think the third or fourth time she's done it, and she's marvelous. But so it'll have plenty of sessions that are on, on Australia time so that they're available for people. And you can go on and you can do one day or the whole thing you can and people can look for me they'll they can see there'll be a schedule that will tell them the day I'm doing it and if they want they can come and they can participate and witness and get to learn some of these I'm going to do some small exercises that people could even practice on their own if they wanted once they've seen them
0: that sounds amazing and we'll link to that in the show notes It sounds awesome I'm excited to check that out Thank you, Kato, so much for being here and for all the magic that you spread into the world. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, and thank you because I think that it's tremendous when humans are using their platform to benefit others and to make this space. And I love that your perspective is so feeling oriented and connected and grounded to the body. So I think that, you know, I think that We all benefit people by transmission. And the more we do our own work, the more we spread. And I think you're well on your way with that. So just, it's a delight. So thank you.
0: You are a delight. Thank you so much for being here. If this episode excited you, maybe look into Rosen therapy or Constellation work and see if it's something that you might like to explore a little bit deeper but with everything, with all healing, bring lightness and joy and fun and play to it. Don't take it or life too seriously. Do the work, but have fun with it. Otherwise we are totally missing the point. Well, that's what I think anyway. We can do this inner healing and transformational work and let's bring joy, light, play, fun to it in the process because why not? I hope this opened your eyes to a new way of looking at healing and expanding and transforming. And I really hope you got a lot out of it. And if you did, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that all of my episodes will pop up in your feed so that you don't have to go searching for a new episode. So please come and subscribe. And come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me what you got from this episode. I would absolutely love to hear from you. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest and the happiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode